Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. Hey guys, and welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And this week's episode is sponsored by Best Fiends. Yes, we have a sponsor now, and it's our first sponsor. They've been really lovely to work with. Woohoo! But all of our future episodes will be ad-free on Patreon, and you can find the link in the description. So we'll talk more about that later, but we are going to start out this episode with a 911 call. And here it goes. 911, where's your emergency? Yes, ma'am. My name is Antoinette Davis. Hey, let me see the ACP. Hello. Ma'am. My name is Antoinette Davis. 1160 ACP. Hello. Okay, I'm not getting your address clearly. Can you slow down a little bit and tell me again? 1160 ACP. Hello. 1116A. 16A. 16A. Yes, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. How can I help you? I woke up this morning and my daughter was not in the house. I don't know if she walked out. Or I don't know what's going on, but she's not here. How old is your daughter? She's five. Five? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What time did you wake up? When did you last see her? I saw her uh, at 5.30 last night. 5.30 last night. Is that when you put her to bed? Yes, ma'am. No, when she went back to bed. Okay. That was five this morning. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, were there any doors open or anything like that? She know how to unlock the front door. Okay. What is her name? Shania Davis. Spell that name for me. S-H-A-N-I-Y-A. And she white, black, or Hispanic? She's mixed. Okay. She's biracial. What was she wearing? She's wearing just a blue, big old blue, a blue shirt with designs on the front, but her hair is out. Okay. Did she have on um, any she pants? Didn't have, she didn't take no shoes, no pants, no nothing. Did she have on underwear? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What Do you know what color? They're white and got pink. I guess I, I can't. I can't really remember. They're like white with pink designs on them. Okay. Okay. And you said none of the doors were open. No, ma'am. There were locked, but she knows how to unlock the front door. Was it closed this yes, morning? Yes, ma'am. And you said it was around five thirty. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Have you checked the neighborhood? I checked everywhere. Okay. I haven't checked the back end of the neighborhood yet, but I checked the front end. I'm just. I don't know what else to do. I'm so. I'm. I don't know what else to do. Are there any more uh, juveniles inside the home? It's my son, but he's here. Okay. And your door was not unlocked. That's what you're telling me. No, it was not unlocked, but I'm okay. telling you, she knows how to unlock it. I'm hoping that she didn't unlock it and walk out. Okay. What's the number you're calling me from, ma'am? Okay, we already got your call, and we're going to get someone out. You said her ha- her hair was out. Yes, it's okay. like a bushy afro. How much does she weigh, do you know? I don't know, ma'am. I don't remember. Okay. All right, ma'am. Um, just try to, you know, check your home again and check around the neighborhood. If anything changes, call us back, but we already got the call in, and we're going to get someone out as soon as we can, okay? All right, ma'am. Thank you. You just heard the 911 call Antoinette Davis placed to the Fayetteville Police on November 10th, 2009. I hope we said that right. This case takes place in North Carolina, and our main source for this episode was WRAL, a Raleigh-based media organization. Remember Raleigh, Rosie? I remember saying it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) In case you're wondering, it comes up... Way back in episode 28 when we talked about Erica Parsons, which is also a very interesting story. So go check that out if you haven't yet. But before we begin, we want to thank our newest patron, Judith. Yay! Thank you, Judith. Yeah. And thank you to all our patrons. We appreciate you guys a lot. A lot. We know we haven't been putting out much 
premium content lately because this time of year is crazy at work and it's hard just to get our weekly episodes up. But Mm -hmm. we are working on a premium episode and I'm hoping to get one up this next week. So that'll be our ninth premium episode. Plus, uh, we have some other ones up there if you're interested in checking it out. But so back to this call we played in the beginning. We hear Antoinette reporting her five-year-old daughter missing. Her name was Shania Davis. So that's who we're going to be talking about tonight. And we want to thank Zola, our listener, for suggesting and suggesting this story to us. Yes, thank you, Zola. This case was very interesting. We really like talking about it over a couple of scotch eggs at a bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're interested, story? you can see those scotch <laughs> eggs on our Instagram. You getting hungry now? All right, <laughs> that's enough plugs. At 6.50 a.m., police responded to Antoinette's call. They lived in a mobile home at the Sleepy Hollow Mobile Home Park. She was there with her boyfriend and sister, as well as her seven-year-old son and infant child. She said she had last seen her daughter at 5.30 a.m. when she sat her down on the couch. But now she was gone, and nobody knew how she'd left the home. But police had a strange feeling. Um, They even told WRAL the media company that they found the circumstances very odd so Mm -hmm. they weren't making a secret of how they felt right the police stated that a five-year-old usually is not awake at 5 30 a.m and they wouldn't just leave their home they also concluded that if she had just wandered out of her home unassisted then she would just be nearby yeah of course every situation is different and these things aren't impossible but For the police, these circumstances immediately made them suspect foul play. And then there was another factor as well, which led them to this conclusion. Right. The police was well aware that this family had a history with the Department of Social Services. Yes. Apparently there had been a lot of fighting over custody in the past. And um, we'll talk more about that later, exactly the details. But, I mean, just based on that, I think maybe... It could have been a distraught father trying to get his daughter back. Hmm. Well, Shania's father, Bradley Lockhart, actually lived in another state. So he had to fly in from out of town to speak to the local investigators. And this wasn't actually the first huge tragedy in Bradley's life. No. In March of 1998, Bradley's first wife was murdered. On March 4th, 1998, at one in the morning, two men entered a home with a pistol grip shotgun. In the home, Bradley's 28-year-old wife, Vicki Lockhart, was visiting her 19-year-old sister, Chanel Coleman. They were there with the 21-year-old Thorsten Mollen, 20-year-old Tyrone Parker, and 24-year-old David Epps, whose brother Joe rented the house. A lot of names there, (laughs) but yeah, you, you did well, Rosie. Thank you. The two intruders were Vincent Lee Thomas and Littdell Burkhalter. A Fort Bragg soldier. So this Litdell fellow, he worked for the military at a fort that houses special ops and air force. So Mm. you'd think he would be a little bit more responsible than breaking into someone's house with a gun. Litdell and Thomas were there to rob Joe, the renter of the home who had recently received a $20,000 insurance settlement. Which was in a secured account, but apparently these clowns thought Joe was just keeping $20,000 in cash lying around the house. Mm. The intruders found the five people and then tied them up, blinding and gagging them. Yeah, so this is a really scary situation. Vicky was my age, and she was just there visiting her sister who's hanging out with some friends. And this happens? Can you imagine? Like... And pistol grips, shotguns are scary looking. I suggest you Google them. They do serious damage. Mm -hmm. So when the five people were unable to tell them where the money was, instead of walking away like somewhat reasonable people, the two intruders unloaded their shotgun into the five victims. (sighs) The killers fled the scene after this. Tyrone and Thorsten were horribly injured, but David, Chanel, and Vicky all died on the spot. I would be so mad if I were Bradley Lockhart and, or like if you got shot when you were visiting your brother or something. What a freak accident. I mean, like, it's just something you don't think of 
happening. Yeah, and over $20,000? That's, like, who murders over $20,000? David and Joe's mother, Sheila, believe that her son may have possibly bragged about $20,000. He had won, which gave the men this idea, but... I mean, now this poor woman's lost one of her sons, and I can't believe these morons would attempt to murder five people Mm -hmm. over $20,000. That's ridiculous. But I suppose they they thought they had a plan and were trying to get rid of witnesses. There's not a whole lot of information about this, but fortunately they didn't do their job very well. Thorsten Mollen, the 21-year-old, was able to free himself from the constraints even after being shot several times. He ran to the bedroom window and managed to get out of the house through it. Then he made his way to the other side of the duplex where the landlord lived, and they were able to call 911 at 1.24 a.m. The two intruders were both apprehended within two days and convicted of three counts of first-degree murder and two counts of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill. Yeah, and... Now they're both in prison, I'm guessing for life, but like I said, it's extremely difficult to find information about this incident, but it's just such a sad and senseless crime. Um, That could be an episode in itself, really. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, But, I mean, based on the Carl Carlson episode, you might have been thinking at first when you hear Bradley's wife was murdered Mm -hmm. that there was foul Foul play play there, but... I wanted to get the story out of the way right away because uh, he didn't have anything to do with it. Right. It really does give us a way more empathetic view of him. Because you're right. If we wouldn't have said that and we just said his wife was murdered, we all would have thought he did it. The husband did it. Yeah. So. If it's but, on a t-shirt, it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, but we just uh, wanted to illustrate how Bradley's no stranger to tragedy, which makes the rest of the story even sadder. Mm-hmm. The police began investigating Shania's disappearance, and based on what they could find, they treated it as a child in danger. An interesting incident came up from the past when they looked into the home of the Davis family. Earlier that summer, officers had served them a search warrant, and they found a variety of different drugs in the home. This time, they found extensive sewage leaks in the house, and the family was not allowed to stay in their home after this, and it as it was deemed a health hazard. Yeah, so the first time the police showed up, they found drugs. The second time they show up, after their daughter's reported missing, there's sewage problems? I almost wonder if they hosed up their plumbing, flushing drugs down the toilet before the police arrived. Hmm. You know, based on the fact they found drugs there before. But that's just what pops into my head when I hear this. It's pure speculation. Shania's mother, Antoinette, was taken to the police station for questioning, and spent a couple days there. They brought in the dogs and gave them Shania's scent. The dogs searched the outside property of the home, but the dogs never hit on her scent. So that kind of rules out the chance that she had just wandered off, because these dogs would have been able to pick up her scent if she had, and they lost it. But there was a weird thing. They found feces on the back porch of the Davis home. What? Yeah. That's super weird. At noon that day, police issued an Amber Alert for Shania, who was described as three feet tall, 40 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes, last seeing a blue t-shirt with pink underwear. Then after this, police started looking into the local sex offender registry to see if they could find a place to begin the investigation. And there were actually three registered sex offenders living right nearby. Mm. Yuck. The police were able to interview all three of them, but based on this, at the time, they were not considered suspects, and the search for the girl began. That night, it started raining pretty heavily, making the search difficult. They had to close down the search for a bit because of the weather, but the next day, they were back at it as soon as they could. And now we're going to take a break to get a word in from our new sponsor. This episode of Voice of the Victim podcast is supported by Best Fiends. Now, you know, we talk about a lot of difficult topics on our show, and it can be really mentally exhausting. But we found a great new way to get our minds into a better place while giving our brains a workout. The fascinating puzzle game called Best Fiends. 
I found Best Fiends really engaging. I've never been a huge fan of puzzle games, but Best Fiends stands out because it tells a story which gives you a purpose to what you're doing. I'm a really busy dude, working a full-time job and writing and producing this podcast, but it only took me three days to make it to level 30. Just with those few moments in the day where I need something to keep myself busy, and it feels a lot better than scrolling through social media. The levels are quick, and you feel like you're making progress with each one. You're doing pretty well on Best Fiends, aren't you, Rosie? Better than you, Ryan. (laughs) That's true. I just got to level 32. In one day. And let me tell you, I like the fun characters. My favorites are Gene and Howie. Which one's Gene again? Gene is an adorable little centipede. That I keep upgrading faster than all the other characters because I like him the best. You get to collect characters, and then you get to upgrade them, and they all have their own special unique powers. It's a pretty cool game. When I'm editing the podcast, there's a lot of processing and exporting that I gotta do with my computer, and it feels like most of the process is just waiting for my computer to finish doing something. And while you're trying to be creative and make something interesting, it can be really mind-numbing and knock you out of that inspired creative mood if you're waiting for something. But when I keep my mind busy with Best Fiends, I stay sharp and ready to create while making the time go by much faster. Even just yesterday when I was at the doctor's office for five hours, it passed the time a lot quicker when I was playing Best Fiends. The other great thing is that you don't need to be connected to the internet to play or progress through the game. So it's perfect for long plane rides to make them feel shorter. But if you are connected to the internet one thing i thought was really cool is when you click on the species of your character it takes you to the wikipedia page for that character i think i stumbled upon that accidentally that's why i know that gene the centipede is a bug (laughs) 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 on top of all this the game is really nice to look at It features bright colors and cute characters, and it never gets old because they update the game every month with new levels and events. I really like the game Best Fiends because I usually don't like games, but this one's actually interesting and it's a puzzle and I don't feel pressure to keep playing it because when I turn it off, I don't have to worry about the characters dying or anything like that. It's at your convenience. Totally at my convenience. Because every day is different and when you have free time, it's perfect to make the time go by a little faster. So if you're looking for a fun game that engages your brain and has cool puzzles where you can collect cute characters how many characters are there there's a lot (laughs) i think it's really cool that they have a hundred million downloads and still have a five star rating that says a lot about how good it is so you can download best fiends free on the apple app store or google play and that's friends without the r best fiends now back to the story And after this, police started looking into the local sex offender registry to see if they could find a place to begin the investigation. There were actually three registered sex offenders living right nearby. Mm. Yuck. The police were able to interview all three of them, but based on this, at the time, they were not considered suspects. And the search for the girl began. That night, it started raining pretty heavily, making the search difficult. They had to close down the search for a bit because of the weather, but the next day they were back at it as soon as they could. They came across a blanket in a neighbor's trash can which they believed belonged to Shania. It had feces on it which matched what they found on the back porch. That's not good. The same neighbor whose trash had the blanket in it told police that around 3 a.m. the morning of the disappearance, she had been awakened by some racket outside of her home. And she said it sounded like someone was pounding on a wall or something. The neighbor told police she had no idea how the blanket got into her trash can. The police interviewed everyone else in the neighborhood looking for any possible leads. And one neighbor told them that they had seen a man driving away from the sleepy hollow home with a girl in the back of his car. And the witness said they recognized both the girl and the man. They said the girl was Shania and the man was 30-year-old Clarence Daryl Coe. Daryl. Sorry, Daryl. <laughs> well, something like that. Apparently, this man was an acquaintance of the Davis family, meaning it wasn't random. But now the police are starting to confirm their suspicion that she was kidnapped. Hmm. It wasn't clear exactly what Coe's relationship was to the Davis family, and that detail became part of the investigation. But he only lived four miles away from the Davis home. You know, wasn't that far away to get access. And 
On November 11th, they arrested him and took him into custody. This guy had a bit of a rap sheet. Um, I'd say just looking at him, he matches the profile of a typical suspect based on these prior convictions he has. He had been convicted of assault on a female, breaking and entering, and larceny, as well as some other charges. But when Coe appeared in front of a judge following his arrest, he showed very little emotion and simply said, I'm not guilty, sir. That's all I've got to say about it. <laughs> very convincing. <laughs> Coe said he was babysitting his nephew at the time that he was allegedly seen at the trailer park. Hmm. But he was charged with first-degree kidnapping and held in jail on a $100,000 bond. Not bail. Is that the same yeah, thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. I wonder if they had any more evidence on him besides the neighbor's testimony, though. Yeah, because then that's a little, like, I don't know. Yeah. A little crass to book him like that. Yeah, it is. Speaking of which, there was another breakthrough, breakthrough in the case not long after. The day Shania disappeared, a hotel worker at the Comfort Suites in Sanford had called the police, reporting seeing a child that matched the girl's description. They pulled the surveillance footage, which contained an extremely important bit of information. A man was seen at the hotel at 6.11 a.m., carrying little Shania and checking into the hotel with her. Yeah, so this is a bittersweet discovery. I mean, it's good to have more information, but obviously, the implications of this scenario are terrifying. Fortunately, though, they were able to identify the man in the video. Right. The man was 29-year-old Mario McNeil. Police rushed to the hotel after the tip, but the man and the little girl were already gone. Yeah, so now it's looking really weird. Like, now there's another suspect in the case. So did um, Co deliver her to him at the hotel, or what was going on there? Right. Or maybe Co was telling the truth when he said he wasn't guilty. In the video, they found that the girl appeared to be well cared for, and told WRAL that they believe she is safe, and that they have no reason to believe he would harm her. So, she looked healthy, she looked cared for, she didn't look like she was fighting or struggling or sad or anything. So, they weren't quite sure what was going on there, but Mario McNeil also had a criminal past. Right. He had been arrested for assault on a female, drug possession, and fleeing to elude arrest. Yeah, so assault on a female, not good. So why would they assume that he's not going to hurt her? I just don't understand. Because she didn't look like she was fighting it. True. In the so here's another sketchy guy, and this time they have video confirmation that he was the one with Shania. That night, Shania's father, Bradley, made a plea to the public saying, Whoever has my daughter tonight, I just ask that they let her go and bring her home safe. I miss her and love her very much. Police were able to find and apprehend McNeil shortly after this. He was then charged with first-degree kidnapping and held with a $100,000 bond. Then the police dropped the charges against Clarence Coe and let him go, after McNeil admitted that he abducted the girl. Yeah, so they obviously realized they didn't have anything against Coe. Mm -hmm. And it would really suck to, have to spend time in jail for something you didn't do. Right. I mean, it's such a dehumanizing atmosphere. And I'm pretty sure there was an old peripheral or Gen Y where they talked to someone oh, who had yes. spent the night in, in jail. Yeah, I remember that too, faintly. Yeah. Um, I think that was peripheral. Yeah. But I couldn't find the episode, so. Oh. But it was very interesting about how terrible, the how terribly you're treated in jail, and that's just where you go to be held. Yeah. Before you're guilty, so if the whole innocent until proven guilty thing, you know, it doesn't seem quite right. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to this story. Clarence Coe actually told WRAL that he planned to take legal action against the police because they hadn't even told him why he was being arrested. Huh. Oof. They told him that they had three witnesses that could place him in the area, and Coe felt that he didn't get due, proce he didn't get due process and that the police had no probable cause. 
I'm surprised they arrested him without finding more evidence. I suppose they were in a time crunch and grasping at Traz to hoping to get a confession out of him so they could find Shania because, you know, time is important in these situations. But you come to find out that Ko was actually Antoinette Davis's boyfriend. And Shania actually called him daddy. Like, they had a close relationship. And he was the boyfriend that was at the home when the police arrived. So, um, a neighbor had actually talked about, after Shania's disappearance, he was pacing around nervously, looking more distraught than Shania's own mother was. Oh, wow. That the girl was missing. So, some neighbors were pretty shocked to find out that he was arrested. Which leads us to another development. On Saturday, November 14th, Antoinette, the mother of the missing girl, was arrested. The charges included human trafficking and child abuse involving prostitution. What? Whoa. That's quite a twist. She was also charged with filing a false police report and delaying or obstructing an officer. Antoinette's mother, Ann Summers, was shocked to hear this news and could not believe that they were making those claims about her daughter. According to her, Antoinette is a straight-up good mother, but the arrest document said that she knowingly provided Shania Davis with intent that she would be held in sexual servitude and permitted an act of prostitution. So, these are incredibly serious and disgusting accusations, and... Absolutely terrible parenting. You can't even call it parenting at that point. It's yeah. not. It's not parenting. She was charged and held under a bond of $51,000. Why is it so much lower than the other bonds? That's a really good question. Um, this is when more information about the home life of Shania came out. Her father said that she was born out of a one-night stand that he'd had with Antoinette. Shania had lived with him for most of her life, up until the past month, when he finally decided to let her stay with her mother because she'd recently gotten a job and her own home after struggling with finances for many years. Mm -hmm. So, Shania had only lived with Antoinette for a month. Keep that in mind. After this, he said, I should have never let her go over there. Can you imagine? Like... He's terrified and frantically worried about where his daughter is here, and he probably can't help but blame himself a little bit for letting her live with Antoinette. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, at this point, things are not looking good for Shania. The man who took her is sitting in jail, as well as her mother. So who's caring for her now? Uh, That poor dad. He must have felt so much guilt. Right? It's just terrible. Police continued to search for her on the ground with assistance from helicopters, but the hope was starting to dwindle. Yeah. At this point, unfortunately, they're most likely looking for a body. But, I mean, you never know. Rosalind, who we discussed last week, was missing for 29 years, and she was still alive. Right. So, I mean, there's never give up hope. No, there's always some hope. Sadly, the police pulled a confession out of Mario McNeil that changed the focus of the search. He admitted that he had taken the little girl's life and dumped her near some trash and deer carcasses off of NC Highway 87 and Walker Road near the Carolina Trace subdivision. That's disgusting. (laughs) Why would he put her there? By deer carcasses? That is so messed up. No respect. So now they knew they were looking for a body, but I mean, there's a lot of space out there. There's a lot of forests and open fields in this area, so they still had a lot of searching to do. Someone called in a tip after hearing about the confession on the news. They had recently been in the area and remembered walking past an area that was unbearably rancid. They had noticed garbage and deer carcasses and connected the dots after hearing that on the news. On November 16, 2009, the searchers took the cadaver canines to the area where the tip pointed them, and about 100 feet off of Walker Road, they found the body of five-year-old Shania Davis. She was laying in a kudzu patch near the Lee Harnett County line, wearing nothing but a t-shirt. 
So this is absolutely awful, so disrespectful, and the family was obviously heartbroken. Apparently, this man had taken the young girl with her mother's consent and for some reason killed her and dumped her. Mm. But why? Shania's aunt, Yvonne Mitchell, told WRAL that they don't believe Antoinette Davis was involved in this and that the family would help her through this tough situation. According to her, Davis took care of her kids very well. She worked at an assisted living facility called Carolina Inn at Green Village, and no one in her family believed there was anything strange going on in her home. So it makes you wonder, why did the police believe she was involved in this? Like, why has she been arrested? But first, let's take some time to remember the little girl who lost her life. Talk about who she was for a minute. Shania was known as a very polite little girl and full of life. She was described as a precious little angel and full of joy. A little reserved when you first met her, but once you got to know her, she wouldn't leave you alone, running around and playing with you. She often recognized she was often recognized for having good behavior in school. Her father says that he and his sister cared for Shania most of her life, until about a month before she went missing, when Antoinette contacted him asking if she could be a mother. He felt that she was sincere and figured that he'd give her a chance. <sighs> like we said before, can you imagine how much that haunts him now? Now that he knows what came of his little girl? Mm. After only a month with her mother, she was dead. Mm -hmm. But again, let's get back to how this happened. After conducting an autopsy, they found that Shania had died of as asphyxiation. <laughs> I cannot say You got that. this. I know, but I Asphyxiation. Laugh. I don't want it. <laughs> asphyxiation. And had suffered injuries consistent with sexual assault. They believed that the little girl was taken to the hotel and raped, but she wouldn't stop fighting to get away, and that as Mario tried to keep her still and quiet, he choked her to death. Yeah, so they believe the death was mostly accidental during a sexual assault. <sighs> mostly accidental, as he was raping her. Yeah. What did he expect to happen? Ugh. Well, apparently the plan was to keep her in servitude. That's disgusting. Absolutely awful. And can you imagine what her final moments would have been like? It's, it's terrible to think, but it's like, what was worse? Her living as a living sex doll, starting at the age of five? Or her dying at the first rape that he subjected her to? Right. It's just... Well, it's so... <sighs> Difficult to quantify these things because, you know, it's all horrible. Mm -hmm. So they believe it was accidental, but then he had to get rid of the evidence. Because, you know, how are you going to tell someone, or how are you going to report a little girl accidentally killed while you were raping her, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's still the question of how he was able to take the girl so easily. Right. Investigators believe that Antoinette had used her daughter to pay off a $200 drug debt that she owed to Mario McNeil. $200. They claim that she knowingly provided her daughter with the intent that she be held in sexual servitude. How disgusting is that? Poor little Shania. Her mother, who she should have been able to trust, told her to go with this strange man and he drove her to a hotel, pretending to be someone she could trust. You know, that's why kids are so easy to take advantage of, and why uh, why statutory laws are in place, you know? And just to use her for her, his own sick pedophilic desires. It's so sad to imagine what she was thinking here. Like, mm -hmm. how could these people betray her like this? I have so much to say, but so much of it I can't on our podcast but it just infuriates me i almost don't have anything to say because i'm so upset about it because you see the video where she is being held by this man into a hotel room and she is like has her arm on his shoulder she's just so trusting and it makes me so infuriated 
how men, how any grown up, how any adult can take such advantage of a child when the child has no, no way of fighting back. I mean, they can try, but a five-year-old can't do anything right. when it comes to fighting a full-grown adult. Uh, and for a mother to do this, to, I mean, she was obviously just using Shania from day one that she wanted her back, right? I right. just can't see it. It almost makes you wonder if when she made that phone call to Shania's father, if her real plan was just to use her to get out of this tough situation, mm-hmm. owing her drug dealer money for something. I'm like, it's only $200. Like, how could she not pay that off if she was working? To, to believe that that was a fair trade, her daughter's life, and all she knew... What she knew of her daughter's life was going to be that she would be a sex slave for a $200 debt. It's just absolutely disgusting. And this mom is the complete scum of the earth. And I would punch her in her teeth so hard. It just like (laughs) makes me so upset. I mean, if you just want to let loose, I can, I can bleep stuff (laughs) out. I'm not going to (laughs) bleep. So moving on. A grand jury in Cumberland County indicted Antoinette Davis on the charges of first-degree murder, indecent liberties with a child, felony child abuse, felony sexual servitude, rape of a child, sexual offense of a child by an adult offender, human trafficking, and making a false police report. And of course she pled not guilty. Because why wouldn't you at that point when you have all the blocks Stacked yeah. up on each other. Might Why not well just, just go for it? just keep being a tor- terrible person. <sighs> Mario McNeil was charged with murder, kidnapping, and rape. Which seems lighter than what the mom got, but for him, they're actually seeking the death penalty, and not for Antoinette. But on the bright side, Rosie, you, you just glossed right over indicted. <laughs> You've <laughs> really you. gotten good at saying that. <laughs> Thank you. It's only taken a couple 80 episodes yeah, couple episodes um but before we move on you said that it seems that mario got a lighter sentence or, or lighter charges lighter charges but i kind of agree this mom knew exactly what she was doing like i just can't help but fully take support in the mom getting all these terrible that's true. I a just, lot more weight and responsibility falls on her because she's mother. her mom you, but then again, well, this guy Mario murdered. deserved all those charges too. I wasn't saying he didn't deserve them, but I'm just saying I understand why mom got so many too. Yeah, and I mean, you know how I feel about the death penalty. I feel like sometimes it's the easy way out. You know, I almost wish they would stay in prison their whole life. I don't and, even want to think tell about you what how they I did. Feel about it, but this situation. What do I know? By not saying anything, you probably know what I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Later on, they added additional charges to McNeil, including second-degree exploitation of a minor and third-degree exploitation of a minor. Well, good. Mm. In May 2013, Mario McNeil was convicted and sentenced to death. Of course they appealed it because it's automatic with the death sentence, but... The ruling was upheld in 2018. In October of 2013, Antoinette took an Alford plea deal? (laughs) Alford plea. Sorry. It's basically um, when someone, they're not pleading guilty, Uh but they're saying, like, I know you have enough to convict me, so let's just settle. (laughs) That's dumb. Yeah. And like you said, she did that to avoid the life sentence that she was up for. And she was sentenced to 17 to 21 years. That's it. Oh, my God. This is so upsetting. Mm-hmm. During the sentencing, Antoinette apologized to Shania's father, Bradley Lockhart, for the environment and situation she put her daughter in. This makes me want to cry. This makes me so upset. There's that fire. She told him that she let her pride get in the way. That's what she said, that she let her freaking pride get in the way. Over $200. That's so sad. I'm actually, like, tearing up. It's unbelievable. After this, Bradley said, I forgave you a long time ago, and Shania did too. That's what he said back to. Yeah. Oh, my God. I gotta stop for a second. That makes me so upset. I'm sure that his statement there gets a lot of scrutiny, too, because 
you know, this is such a horrible thing to do. And, you know, hearing him say, I forgive you to this monster that did this to her child. <sighs> so difficult to hear. But like we've talked about a lot in the past, you don't forgive someone for their sake. You do it for you. And it's so you can move on. So we can't blame Bradley for saying that. You no. know, he's been through so much. I mean, I know you're feeling really emotional right now, but <laughs> I've never sobbed or like even let a tear out during a. I know. It's just like it's just disgusting that a mom would do that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting emotional. But like for a mom to do that to their five-year-old daughter and she knew what was going to happen, it's just like it really blows my mind. I know. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about the forgiveness thing here, too, because he publicly said he forgave her, you know. And I think it's important to think about the value of doing that for yourself. Right. I no, mean, I, I totally agree I know you, you talked about that in your personal story. It's just I don't want her to know. <laughs> I know. He well forgives her. But forgiveness doesn't have to mean that. You are okay with what you someone does. It yeah. just means you're putting the lid on it. And, and you don't need to tell them you forgive them. Right. You know? Right. You just need to do whatever is best for you. You know? When someone's put you through something like this, there is no perfect <sighs> way to react to it because mm -hmm. it's such an unnatural thing to do. Uh, but anyway, sorry to... To bring you down like that. No, it's okay. I just, like, didn't think I would get that emotional over this. But, like, I feel like we should put the video on Instagram of Mario, like, walking with her. Yeah. Because he's holding her in her arms like any dad would do for their kid. Right. And she's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry. She, she's holding on to him like she just, like, completely trusts him. And it's just, it's sickening. It's just disgusting. Ugh. So, there was another interesting detail in this story that's a little more lighthearted. The popular basketball player Shaquille O'Neal paid for Shania's funeral. Oh my funeral. gosh, that's sad too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he actually saw the story on the news, and like you, Rosie, he teared up when he saw it. <clears throat> and so he got in contact with the family to see what he could do to help, and ended up paying for her funeral. I just feel really bad for Bradley Lockhart in this case because, like we mentioned earlier, he'd already lost his wife back in 1998 in some freak accident. And then he lost his daughter, who he raised for most of her life, in such an unnecessary and ridiculous way. It's just so much to go through. I mean, if you're this emotionally impacted by it, just imagine what Bradley has gone through trying to accept everything that's happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Then the Department of Social Services actually came under fire over this case on September 30th, 2010. Mm. The district attorney for Cumberland County, Ed Granis, claimed that the DSS went to great lengths to protect its image during the investigation of Shania's death. Both the DA and the Fayetteville police chief, Tom Bergamine, were concerned that the DSS was withholding information during the investigation. Granis claimed that they dropped the ball when it came to helping the police during the investigation. Yeah, apparently it took three whole days for the police to get any worthwhile information from the social services, and it wasn't until they were ordered by a judge that they cooperated. Hmm. Social workers from the DSS told police that the DSS director, Brenda Jackson, told them to print copies of all emails about the case, then delete the emails, and limit written communications about the case. So what's going on there? What the heck? That's really odd. And Granis, the DA, pointed this out. The point of social services is to help protect those who need help. Yeah, not to protect your stupid image. Right? And the waters got even murkier when the chairman of the board for the DSS, the Department of Social Services, resigned less than two weeks after these claims were made. 
Mm. So that's really odd and really makes you wonder what's going on there. Chet Ome resigned October 11, 2010, just 13 days after the accusations, accusations that the DSS was, was withholding information. His reason was, quote, lack of fairness in reporting by local media covering the DSS. Mm-hmm. Now, this is tough because social services are typically extremely understaffed and underbudgeted and have way more than they can handle for cases to check up on. Right. Now, it's a lot of work, but it's also a huge responsibility. Their job is to help people in need, and if it takes a judge order to turn over information to the police, it looks really sketchy. I mean, I get him resigning because he's just sick of the pressure, but it also makes him look kind of suspicious. And I don't want to play into a conspiracy theory with no merit, but it's coincidental to say the least. How are you doing, Rosie? I'm like really shook. I like Liam Fee was always the case I had the hardest time with, but now I kind of feel like Shania's. Yeah. This, I mean, I this know. is why it's hard to look at pictures before we talk about it because I know because we, we had a huge talk about because I was frustrated before we recorded about this case. Yeah. With how it happened. These cases really impact you when you. When you try to tell them from the victim's perspective and you you look at them and see them as an individual, it's, yeah. it's just, I guess this is also just another dose of birth control for me. Cause if I just, there's so many kids that need help, like yeah. Shania did. Well, Shania had her dad, obviously, who was taking fine care of her, but I just Ugh. can't have my own when there's children like this. I know. Oh, this case is just makes my insides burn. I feel like the goddess of hell. <laughs> I'm just, it makes me so angry. I could spit fireballs out of my ears. Yeah. If you weren't aware, Rosie is actually kind of a firecracker. I died um, my She hair sounds really too. sweet on the show sometimes, but, you know, she's got. <laughs> I mean, this is a good reason to get mad. You know, this is a good time to get angry because this type of stuff is ridiculous. It just makes me furious, too, that the mom, from the life sentence, it got chalked down to 17 to 21 years. I know. I don't know. What? I mean, that is that is a long time. Like, don't get me wrong, but... uh, Yeah, maybe for, <laughs> like, rape, but not for murder. Not for selling your child for a $200 drug debt for yeah. them to live a life of prostitution. Complete betrayal of, of the child that you gave birth to and you need to protect. And it was a one-night stand, too. Like, the, Shania only lived with her for a month before this. It just seems really premeditated and, to me. Well, and I know. it really frustrates like, me. that over a month premeditated. Because she did the Alford plea or whatever? Yeah. But she so still what? Ha- exactly. She hasn't still hasn't taken any responsibility for yeah. it. Yeah. And then... Why does that even exist? I don't understand the point. Well, there are some cases where certain evidence um, can make someone look guilty, even if they're not. You know, there are cases out there. (sighs) So then she does the plea, and then it's just like a free golden ticket? Like, now they can't? It just doesn't work now? Well, no. It's just not... It's basically saying, I don't admit guilt, but... But you got me. I so. really like the idea of rehabilitating prisoners. Mm-hmm. But I don't care for her. <laughs> I don't want her to be rehabilitated at all. I just want her to die. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very angry. If we got this emotional about every case, I feel like this would be the ending of every episode. I know. Because, I mean, I think of Michelle Blair. Well, I always get emotional, but this one just like really hit me because it's just she. Just, like, had a good life. And then her mom wanted to be a sincere mom. And the dad trusted her. And then it just was like, oh, Mm. it was a rough one. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you at least felt so connected to the story. I need my cat. I know that our listeners appreciate a genuine connection to the story more than just telling a story, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, 
Um, before we get to the reviews, we just want to correct our pronunciation from last week. The town in Oklahoma, we said Pato, <laughs> but um, one of our listeners Pato. reached out and told us that it's actually Poto, huh. like Phantom of the Opera. Thank you, Sydney, for pointing that out. Speaking of Poto, we just went and saw Phantom of the Opera completely sporadically <laughs> last week. It was the best. Thanks to me. That's when we had the scotch eggs. It was pretty fun. <laughs> mm-hmm, it was. A we posted a bunch of pictures of it on Instagram evening. and Facebook and stuff. But it was nice. I really liked that musical. Me too. It's been a part of my life since I was a little kid. Well, it I used like to terrify me, but Lion now I King like better. It. But I still really liked this one. Oh yeah, Lion King's really cool. I love the original Lion King. That was my childhood. That commercial where the kids dragging the suitcase up the stairs, getting ready to go to Disney World. That was in the Lion King VHS. Oh, yeah. With the goldfish? The goldfish swimming around and... I don't remember that part. Oh. I... Pro- probably. <laughs> I'm excited, too. We're actually going to Disney in February. Yep. <laughs> Christmas overtime has to pay off in some way. Mm-hmm. Anywho, Diddly, should we get to these reviews, Rye Guy? Yeah. Oh, you call me Rye Guy? <laughs> That's cute. Um... Which review do you want to read this week, Rosie? Uh, read the first one, because I like who it's from. You are? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. It's a five-star. It's entitled, Don't Listen to Bad Reviews. Oh, I see why you like who it's from. <laughs> it says, just listening to the latest and wondering why people listen to something they don't like. Wow, and I wonder that all the time. Personally, I love you both and the way you interact with each other. Your compassion holds no bounds, and I certainly really enjoy your podcast as one of my favorites. Keep up the hard work and don't change anything. I'm English, living in Spain. So cool. I'm going to move there. Wow. This is from Nico Dog Rescue. Wow. Thank you, Nico Dog Rescue. That's like two ticks on your list. Living in Spain and Well, dog I don't want to live in Spain. I want to live in Portugal, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, if you lived in Spain, you could just pop over to Portugal. Don't tell that to the Portuguese. They want to be their own country. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to enter. Didn't someone from Portugal... Contact us a couple a, a little while ago. I don't remember, but if you did, please contact me again. I'd like to live with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rosie wants to move in. <laughs> Do you have room? Um. Anyway, yeah. Thank you, Nika Dog Rescue. Uh, the second review is from Tasty Tea. Uh, from Canada, Canada. Okay. Phenomenal Hosts is the title, and it says, I have dutifully listened to all episodes since finding this podcast. Stories are masterfully delivered with such empathy and compassion that you would swear the host knew the victims personally. Mm, wow. That's really nice. This is a good episode to read this on because Both of them. you started crying. Um, in a sea of true crime podcasts that glorify the offenders, Rosie and Ryan are a lifesaver. Beyond impressed, keep it up, heart. Five stars. Thank you. Thank you, Tasty T. When I when you say her name or this person's name, I wanna sing the Fergalicious song. How's that go again? Tasty tasty T to the A to the S T E Wow girl, you tasty. I wonder if that's where it's where it came from. It's a chunk of the song. Oh. Which song is that? Fergalicious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I've never listened to it. Yeah. Um, I can tell. <laughs> I guess I have something to do. Anyway, how are you doing today? How's your day? I'm gonna put Fergalicious on my karaoke list after this. Oh yeah. We're preparing for karaoke next weekend. Um, I'm good. My day was all over the place. I was driving here, driving there, went to the zoo, went to the library, dropped my kids off at lessons and school mm-hmm. stuff. I saw a lion roar. That was cool. Oh, yeah, you saw him roar? Yeah, was, he's, a new, he's a new lion because the other one died. And that was super depressing, too. I almost cried about that. And then they got this new one. His name's Mumford. He's three. He's got a great personality, the zookeeper said. <laughs> oh, you're so emotional and, right now. Um, anyways, it was so cool because I'm, he's always, they're always sleeping usually, you know, but he was playing with a tire 
<laughs> and he was roaring, and it was so cool. And my kids were like, let's leave. And I was like, no, we're sitting here and staring at this lion. He's beautiful. Kids. And um, <laughs> we saw Eugene, which is a lemur that I sponsor. He was doing well. And uh, the cougars, or the pumas were out, the same thing, but I like the word puma better. And they oh, were I really never cool. knew that. Yeah, cougars, puma, and mountain lion are the same thing. That's what the zookeeper told me. And those little two guys were orphaned. A farmer shot its mom, mm. and they saved them. They're from California. And one was so malnourished that he's like half the size of the other one. That's so sad. But they were really cool. They were staring at me through the glass and put my hand up to the glass. Did they put their pop? No, but I wanted them to so bad. <laughs> In your heart they did. Yeah. It was a good um, good time. It's a really good time. That's really sweet. Um, yeah, I had an interesting day. Not really. I spent like five hours at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, had some weird stuff going on. Found out I'm actually pretty healthy, except for high blood pressure. Uh, it was pretty bad. Stage two hypertension. So I, Gotta I'm get on that. working on that now. So if you guys have any tips or ideas. I have an idea. Don't go to McDonald's all the time. It's, I, I mean, I know it's horrible. When I get done with work and I have to come home and start working on an outline, it's like, I need to eat something for brain food, it's but so I don't want to make anything. It's so funny that your wife makes food and puts it in the fridge for you all the time. All the time. That's, <laughs> that's not true. You did this week, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really excited for it. Brita would like to say you know, a few words. Life is busy. There's a reason fast food exists. Not in Portugal, it doesn't. Now that burrito has the microphone, he doesn't want to meow into it. <laughs> He's just staring at it. <laughs> Um, okay, buddy. So I'm no longer going to McDonald's after work. I'll be <sighs> eating Rosie's homemade salad when I get home. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's like chopped cucumbers, Onion, uh, onions, tomatoes, bell peppers, tomatoes, banana feta, peppers, bell. Oh, bell peppers. Feta cheese, blue cheese, olive oil, lemon juice, salt and pepper. Mm, black olives. Black olives, baby. It's really good. Feta and blue cheese. Always. Oh, so good. Anyway, so, we yeah. better go. <laughs> <laughs> this is like getting to the That's point a nice, of the stage. Well, I was actually thinking about putting this ending on Patreon. Oh. Just like discussion after the show type thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be a new thing we try out for this time of year when we're really busy. This could be just a little taste of what they could hear because we still need to plug our Patreon. It's true. Our Patreon episodes are much more laid back and we have a lot more random conversation in them. Mm-hmm. Which apparently most of you like. That's what we hear on the street, anyway. On the street. (laughs) Well, anyway, thank you guys for listening. If this is your first time here, you're probably not listening anymore. But if it is, you can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at VOV Pod. uh, Facebook, Voice of the Victim, Support System. And what else is there? You can check out our Threadless store at threadlessstore.com backslash or something keep, keep going vov podcast <laughs> no no the link is in the description it's vovpodcast.threadless.com there we but go I like how every time you have a different url i know for it. And check out our patreon we have stuff that we've we actually finally gave our patreons their letters and only took half a year sorry guys yeah, that's Rosie's job. Um, My job is to put out an episode every week. Rosie's <laughs> job is to send out the Patreon stuff. We're thinking about... <laughs> shut up. We're thinking about <laughs> doing a giveaway with a shirt or a mug or something. So, oh, yeah. we'll see how that We goes. are actually going to start... We're working on a structure, but um, we're thinking that some type of system where we give away a free mug or shirt or something so every month. So follow us on Instagram so you can get caught up on that when we start it. That's about it, really. Sounds good. Yeah. Alright, well, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.